0: Welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Club. My name is Jessamie G. I am not joined by gorgeous co-host, Miss Alice Edie while she's on a little break. However, I am am joined by returning Alice Imposter, the wonderful Dr. Marion Piper.
1: Guess who's back? Back again.
0: (laughs) Maz back. back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yay! And you're joining us from
0: Bali, like a fancy lady.
1: I am having a terrible time. It is disgusting. Don't ever come here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: Australians hate Bali. I don't think, you know, no no problems there. Um, I'm just checking that what tabs I've got open here to see what notifications are potentially going to go off. We're just going to find out. We're going to find out as we
1: go. I love um, this game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what does that notification mean? Um Hey, just before we jump into today's stuff, um, for those of you playing at home who listened to the last episode with beautiful Dr. Maz, and we were talking about being sober curious and Marion's six-month sobriety journey, and I was toying with the idea, Um, and I promise this is not going to become sober pod. You're not going to have to listen to me talk about this every (laughs) week, Um, but... I did decide to set myself a challenge and I joined the 1 year no beer program day 9 yeah. feeling fucking great so if anyone was sort of you know inspired by that little chat and um wanted to talk further please reach out to me directly I'm very happy to share the things that I found useful so far and um honestly I mean, I know it's only been nine days. That's probably why it feels fairly easy, but it's been really easy so far. Um, I think, you know, sometimes thoughts drop with you at a certain time because you just, you're ready for them. And I feel like that was the case with this. So, um,
1: yeah, just a, a little update on you, Gal. Um Oh, yeah. so good. So, so good. And um, I had, uh, this is a follow-on from that. Um I had my I pro- it's probably like the first like major test of my sobriety journey when I got on the plane coming to Bali and I was uh, I upgraded myself to business class because I was I'd never flown business class before and it was a really cheap upgrade so I was like okay let's do it um and then they handed me a um they were like oh do you want some do you want a glass of sparkling wine or some water and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get, I'm gonna go the sparkling wine and I'm just gonna see. I'm gonna see what happens. And I literally had three sips of it. And I was like, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever had in my entire life. Like all I could taste was the ethanol. It had no flavor. And I was like, well, I guess that confirms that. <laughs> and how did you feel about that? Because I imagine you could um,
0: have kind of mixed emotions, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'd always said to myself that, you know, if I felt like drinking, I would just drink. And it felt like a, one of those moments where I was just like, I was on my own. I was proud of myself for like, um, you know, doing something just for me. Um, and I was like, I'm just going to see, I'm going to see. And the glasses they give you, like, it's like a little half glass. So I was like, it's fine. Like a little cheeky half glass. And yeah, I was, I was really surprised by how terrible it tasted. Um, and I know it's probably not, wasn't probably good wine anyway, but, um, I'm also like really proud of myself for just having, you know, having those couple of sips and going, whereas normally I think I would just go right ahead and just finish it because I have it. I was just like, no. And I just left it. And I was like, I'm good now, you know? So yeah, good times. What a moment. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm, I am adulting hard right now.
0: That feels big and I think what's also really cool about that and this is the like we spoke about a little bit on the other episode that my a lot of my issue <laughs> is about like wanting to rebel against something and this is actually I will share this because this has been a useful reframing for me as well. I'm like there is absolutely nothing rebellious about doing the exact same thing that everyone else is doing and you have done for your entire life. Like the real rebellion is not doing it.
1: Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right?
0: Um, but in that, I think what's really smart or, I mean, I guess it's individual, but what suits me and my thinking really well is this thing of like, yeah, like if I really want it, I'll just have it like, yeah, I'll say yes and have the sips. And then, you know, that it's like, it's not coming from some self-imposed rules or a challenge. Like you're, you're trying it to be like, oh, well, I don't know. I liked it before. Maybe, maybe there is some value in it. And letting, like, giving yourself that kind of grace and space to, to not be scared to try it, and then honestly ask yourself how you feel about it.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I thought to myself, like, if I if I say no to this, um, it feels like a restriction. Whereas, Mm. if it's there, um, I I enjoy the empowerment now that comes from having it there and being able to just go, nah. I'm fine. And honestly like it's it's kind of the same with a lot of like sweet foods cuz I don't really have a sweet tooth but I used to be like like just gorge on the stuff whereas now I'm like I can just have like a little bit of chocolate or a little bit of this. And I think that's tied into that habit as well too. So, you know, being a binge drinker, you're often a binge eater. So those two kind of, you know, what you do in one area of life, you tend to do in another. So um, I'm proud to say that I did not fuck that one up.
0: (laughs) Yes. Now, speaking of fuck-ups, for those of you who are watching, you might have noticed that there is a beautiful pink bucket sitting next to me entitled The Little Box of Fuck-Ups. So to frame this for you, we kind of fucked up, (laughs) (laughs) Alice and I. So you might remember back in March, we did a uh, collaboration with the Finders Keepers Creative Business Summit, which was wonderful. So we were there live on the day. We spoke to a bunch of their speakers. We did some interviews in the lead-up. And as part of our uh, presence there... We had this great idea to create the little box of fuck-ups. And the idea was that, which is, you know, a lot of the philosophy that sits behind this podcast as well, is that as creative people, as small business owners, as artists, it's so important that we're honest <laughs> with each other about our struggles because we feel less alone and then other people feel less alone as well. Um, and I think for industries that that rely on a very like slick, beautiful social media presence, web presence, whatever, which is exactly how it should be, right? Because aesthetics is at the heart of what it is that you do. But it does mean that you're very unlikely to see the messy bits, the gritty bits, the ugly bits. So we thought, wouldn't it be fun to sort of pop this in the middle of the conference on a plinth that Alice beautifully painted? Um, she just found that in her house, by the way. Hilarious. Like, yeah, she's just got a plinth lying around. As as you do. <laughs> as you do. Um, so we we had that there throughout the whole day um for people to come and write something they fucked up and put it in the box. Now, we had grand plans for what we might do with this. We might do like a reveal at the end of the day, um, or we might, I don't know, like do some sort of like Instagram live thing. I don't know. But on the day itself, as often happens, we just ran out of time. We ran out of time. We ran out of steam and we thought, that's fine. We'll come back and do a little review of it about a week later. Now that was in March. (laughs) And it's now almost September. But the great thing is I've known, this has just been sitting in my room since then, and I thought at some point we'll get to it, at some point we'll get to it. So in the spirit of uh, of uh fucking up, <laughs> we thought what would be really fun today is do a bit of a lucky dip and go through a few of them. I I did read them at the time, but the great thing now is I don't remember any of them. I know there's one from you in there, Maz, and there's one yep, from me yep. in there. Other than that, mm. I can't remember any of them. So um should
1: we dive in? Let's do it. Let's All do right. it. Let let the universe decide which fuck-up we're going to address first. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, where am I going to put this lid? Oh, I didn't think this through. <laughs> <laughs> One moment.
1: <laughs> Please hold the line. Do 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 All right, we're back.
0: And we're All back. Right. Oh, okay. My arms aren't long enough. Okay. <laughs> Pink paper, very on brand. Beautiful. Okay. Here we go. Fuck up number one. My name is Betty. I'm from Columbia and I started my business, Novellis. I think that says, sorry, Betty, skincare four years ago. My big fuck up was to think that I was not enough to be in a room full of successful women and that my story was not important. But after lots of personal growth, I can now say, fuck that. I oh. am strong. I am powerful. I am a woman that inspires women. Thank you.
1: Fuck yeah, Betty. Oh, Betty. Go on, Betty. Go on, girl. We love that. Is that something
0: that you have that you can relate to, Marion? Feeling like you're like you don't belong somewhere, like you're not enough to be in the room that you're in?
1: Oh, absolutely! I think that's just like part and parcel with being a, an ambitious human, right? Yeah. <laughs> like If you are, if you're kind of a, one of someone who has goals and has dreams, uh, and you're uh, you're in the arena, as Brene Brown says, you're you know you're getting dirty. You're bound to end up in places where that are new to you, places that, um, places where there's people who have been there a lot longer than you have. So they're more comfortable in the room, you know? And I think that's a lot of where that, um, I feel like that's a lot of where the imposter syndrome comes from. It's like when we're in that early phases of something, we haven't quite found like, Like, oh, where's the, where's the food table? Where's the drink table? You know, like where, where, you know, where do I stand? Like, who do I stand next to? Are there, you know, different levels to this room? You know, um, I've definitely felt, um, particularly probably for me, the place that was the most uncomfortable was definitely academia, um, because I wasn't quite, um, like I'm smart, but I'm, but I'm not that, that level of research smart, um, not because I don't, Uh, I don't, I didn't want to do it because obviously I was there, but um, I just wasn't as interested in the research as I was in the art, the art of it all Mm. um, and the making and the creativity. Um, So I found myself, I definitely found myself at certain conferences too, where, you know, you'd be standing around and someone would just be like talking at you, all these big, big words and complicated sentences. And I understood what it all meant, but I was just like, I I have nothing uh, okay, and I'm like, oh, I'm over here with my journaling and my drawing, yeah. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like I like to draw pretty pictures. Like you, you just can't. Like it's it's such a weird feeling to be in those spaces. But um, I think one of the things um, that I like that Betty touched on is that she said after some growth and some work, you know, and I think there's um, a lot of this stuff is it's an internal battle more than it is an external one. Um, uh, although you know there are people in the world, unfortunately, who like to keep those rooms closed, so mm. um, I feel like there's there's a lot going on in that quest in that uh, in that fuck up. Um, good one, good one, Betty. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, it makes me think a lot about places where I've felt uncomfortable and how much of it is reasonable I guess and how much of it isn't and I think for me a lot of the time it's about uncertainty so Mm. (laughs) it's like it's like when you travel right and you go to a new place and you just don't know what the conventions are Mm. and it's actually not that you're like scared that something bad is going to happen it's more being scared of like looking silly of Mm. like looking lost being unsure Um, getting something wrong, being misunderstood. I think that's a big one where there's language things, whether that's actually speaking different languages or like academic language, business language, Mm. and that sort of fear of like, am I going to be able to be understood in this Mm. room or this place? And I think the times where I felt most uncomfortable were times that I was the least certain about like what happens in those rooms like even if you take going to the gym for an example right like going to a new place I mean this is why I love CrossFit so much because the gyms are all more more or less the same all over the world you know and there's plenty of other things like that too they're going to have the same equipment the same sorts of exercises same kind of vibe so it's less stressful to show up in those spaces because you've got an idea of what's going to happen But I remember so clearly the first couple of times going in was so stressful and not because I was nervous of anything real. It was nervous of feeling like a dork being like, I don't know how, (laughs) like, I don't know what this is. Like, I don't, and that's got its own language too, you know, fucking AMRAPs and EMOMs and, you know, like any good cult, it's got its whole own set of acronyms.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And do you, um, so speaking of that, when you are, Um, you know, you know, you're going in, maybe going to enter into one of those new spaces. Do you have strategies for preparing yourself? Because I feel like we can kind of move into any space if we have at least a little bit of preparation. Like if, if not, if not knowing the conventions, at least in knowing our own behavior. And so I'm Mm. wondering like, how do you, when you're faced with that kind of thing, like if you, you know, stick with the gym example, like how did you prepare for that?
0: That's a really good question. I was about to say, no, I don't have any strategies, but I don't think that's entirely true. So I think I will... So from a gym example, what I would do, and I do this as well, like if I'm traveling and visiting a gym, even though, as I said, it's much less stressful because the setup's going to be more or less the same. I like to see pictures of what it looks like, see pictures of what the front and the inside looks like, just so I have an idea of what I'm walking into. Mm. In a professional setting... Um, what I will most often do if I haven't met someone, I mean, usually these days I will have zoomed with someone before I'm meeting them, but not always, it doesn't always work out that way. And if that's the case, I will look them up on LinkedIn. So I know what they look like. Um,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: that's what will give me some comfort is seeing a, a familiar face or kind of just like getting a vibe for the. You know what I mean? Like yeah, knowing what the face yeah. behind the voice is. Um, mm-hmm. but I think that's that's it. I don't think I do much in terms of like internal preparation other than familiarizing myself with anything that's available to me to get more familiar mm-hmm. with the space or the people mm-hmm. I will do. What about you?
1: Mm. Oh yeah. Um I yeah, I'm a huge uh prepper, so I will definitely, um, I will jump on any available media channel. I will Google, I will try and find video if I can. Video is really helpful to me. And then actually the one thing that I've started doing, and I started doing this when I, when I began doing more public speaking, is that I would do a lot of visualizations. So uh, so when I'm sort of, if I'm practicing a talk, for example, I will practice, um, I will be like running through it. I'll be reading it and then I'll every now and then I'll stop, close my eyes and then I'll picture myself delivering it and look at the people's faces and it's just to kind of get that, to kind of pre-plant that energy um, in my brain so that it knows what to look for and it won't, to stop it focusing on anything that is potentially, um, you know, out out of whack or not going fine. So, I can kind of train my brain to kind of look for the things that I want to see when I go into it. So, if it's a gym, it's like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk in, I'm gonna see, I'm gonna imagine like the friendly face stuff. I'm gonna imagine myself like crushing the workout. You I'm know, imagine my imagine myself so how good it's gonna feel at the end when I'm done. You know, so it's like something it's specific, but it's like just kind of getting my body ahead of my experience. You know, in a very like yeah. you know Dr. Joe Dispenza kind of way.
0: <laughs> Does that ever? backfire in the sense that like you've, you've pictured it in this certain way where the staff are wonderful and you kill the workout or, you know, you crush your speech. And then when you arrive, everything is so different that it's kind of jolting. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to actually have to say no to that because I haven't, I actually, I haven't had that experience yet. It's the times when I don't do that or when I don't do any preparation, that's usually when things go awry. Um, Although having said that, um, oftentimes things tend to go, I I feel that like level of uncomfortableness that I'm not meant to be there. Oftentimes in spaces that I've been in before, um, like things that I've, things that I've regularly visited, like airports, like when I got to the airport for Bali this time, like I wanted to use the lounge. I, I couldn't get, I had needed a boarding pass. I couldn't get my boarding pass till check-in open. Check-in didn't open for 45 minutes. And I'm like, this is weird. This is a space that I feel comfortable in. And now I feel uncomfortable because something in the system is like, something's good. Oh, it's because I'm doing a different, I'm approaching it in a different manner. Um, because normally when I go, I'm like economy. (laughs) And so this time going business, I was like, maybe I was coming in with a bit more of an entitlement being like, well, I've got this ticket. So surely it means that I can access all these different things uh, earlier than before.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. You know what I was just thinking about is that I think my biggest fuck ups work-wise have been not, as you say, like not with new clients or new events. It's been it's been being careless almost with someone who I've worked with a lot or a space I've worked in a lot and I miss some small details and that's when the biggest fuck-ups happen. Yes. When I sort of take take it for granted or you don't yes. do your exercise or whatever, that that's when things fuck up because I've been like, oh, no, I, I kind of let a few things go here because I'm like, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, made assumptions, didn't, you know, keep up with my usual to-do list of things and that's when things go bad.
1: <laughs> when, yes. When we get, when you either go on autopilot or you get complacent, right? Yes. Like, ah, oh, I know, I know this. Like I know how to do this. It's fine. I don't need to prepare. Like it's all good. I'll just wing it. You know? No, no, you won't. You won't wing it. <laughs> That's right.
0: And, and look, sometimes you can, but I feel like winging it never feels as good as it sounds (laughs) (laughs) it definitely doesn't feel as carefree as it sounds that's for sure oh my god totally well this is it right it sort of frames as like ah it's cool like I just fly by the seat of my pants and wing it it's fine but it is stressful like there is nothing chill and carefree about being unprepared (laughs) because at the moment you're like fuck you past Jessamy why do (laughs) do the things that you
1: know to do yeah yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I don't know if that's like a like an ego thing, or you know, a laziness thing, or just a you know, maybe I'm tired, so I just can't be bothered thing. You know, I feel like there's probably a, a few different emotions going on there.
0: I think it's probably also that like maybe it, it goes to the bottom of the to do list because you're like ah, like this, like this will probably work out fine. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Probably. Oh, oh no, yeah. Uh, should we do another fucker? Yeah, that was good. Thanks, Betty. Thanks, Betty.
0: <laughs>
1: All right. Go, go, Gadget Arms. <laughs>
0: Here we go. Getting my dates mixed up. I mm. was hosting a clay workshop and thought it was booked for a Wednesday. The crew was rounded up. Does it say rounded up? Yeah, sure. Um. Go with that. Oh, sorry. The crew rocked up on the Tuesday. Mm. I've never winked something <laughs> so hard Perfect. in my life. M House of Hobby, and then she's drawn a little cry laughing face. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, M. And um, oh man, the pa- the panic, the panic that would have come Mm-mm. with that thinking that you've got a whole other day and then whatever it would have been, a phone call saying, hey, you've got a whole room of participants here waiting for you. <laughs> M, you are a superhero for going and making that happen. And to our point, half a second ago, I'm sure that that style of winging it was pretty fucking stressful for Oh,
1: <laughs> uh, And the funny thing is too, is that um, oftentimes in those situations... The people who attend have no idea. They have no idea that that there's been like a huge fuck up on the other end. I mean, I, I, I'm just assuming that Em is like, you know, super professional. Like, yeah, she might be like, a you know, the ducks with their legs underwater. They're like gliding, but their feet are going like crazy. Um, that's the visual that I get uh, from this situation. Um, have you ever had that happen to you? Have you ever um, muddled up dates? I was just trying to think. I think the only one I can think of,
0: which would have been a few years ago, was fucking up the date of a flight by a day. And I can't actually remember how it worked out fine, whatever it is, whatever it was. I guess we must have been a day early rather than a day late because a day late just would have been like, oh, you're not going home. (laughs) Um, That, I get really thrown by it because, you know, um, as chaotic as i am i am also relatively well organized when it comes to things like dates and times i like to be on time i like to have my shit together when it comes to my calendar management so it is quite unlike me to get a date wrong or to be late or something like that so when it does happen it really throws me into a tailspin like i i really really hate being late and I hate mm-hmm. it when other people are late as well. Um, and it's, this is endlessly fascinating to me because there are a few people in my life who are consistently late. My husband used to be one of them. He's a reformed late person <laughs> we love. Um, but it's, it's endlessly fascinating to me because these are not people who are careless or selfish It is just like something in them doesn't seem to be able to add up the time, (laughs) right, or something. I don't know what it is. But I think that the interesting thing is some people at some point, like Dan, go, ah, this isn't good. Like this is (laughs) like... (laughs) It's stressful for me and it's stressful for other people and they work on it. But other people just go, you know what? This is part of my identity. I'm a late person. And that to me is fucking bonkers because I get so uncomfortable and stressed if I'm late to anything, even if it's something that doesn't matter, that I can't imagine living in a brain like that sounds like the most stressful thing in the world to me. And mm. yeah, and I also like, I don't know, maybe this is just my bias because it's my preference, but I think it does matter. I think it's important because it, like what's more valuable than time? Mm. And if you're fucking mm. with someone else's time, I just think that's rude, personally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm I'm someone who's chronically early. So uh I'm I'm like I'm like the early version of the late person. <laughs> 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 so- <laughs> Um, I just, I feel like my internal clock runs maybe like five to 10 minutes earlier than the regular one. Um, so even when I try to like, I'm like, Oh, I've got, I've got plenty of time or like, Oh, I'm running late. I'm running late. I'm still like five to 10 minutes ahead of pretty much everyone else. So, um, I don't know, like, have you always been that way? I feel like I've, I've always been that way. I've always been the one who's kind of like, you know, when I'm with a group of people, like, let's go, let's go. I'm always like, hurting people along and I wonder if that's like a, I wonder if that's a trauma thing.
0: <laughs> hey, who knows? I mean, yeah, I think yes, I have always been that way and look, I'm not saying that I'm perfect, like everyone has days no, that they no, run no. late for, for some reason, that's not the the kind of thing that I'm describing. Um, maybe it is, I think, all, like, like I was saying, I think some people so my old housemate, Nick, right, who I adore, and he's good now too. He used to be a chronically late person, but I'd hear him in the, sh- like just out of the shower and he took quite a long time to get rid um, <laughs> We lived in Fitzroy on the phone to someone saying, I'll be there in five minutes. I'm like, babe, you won't even be out of that fucking room in five minutes. and He, wa- <laughs> he wasn't lying. He just, th- he just gets rid of all of the middle bits. I think my, and my sister, also a chronically person, does the same thing. I think what it is is not leaving any wiggle room or not thinking about things like I've got to walk from my door to the car. I've got to look for a car park. I've got to walk from the car park to the place, like all of the extra little bits. I just go, oh, it takes half an hour to drive from here to here and forget about mm. all that. Like I think it's actually potentially quite, simple it's just like a like a missing time perception yeah input or something
1: yeah like a bit of um what they what they call like the time blindness where you just you're not really um it's not it's not even that you're aware of it it's actually just that your brain can't um can't really conceptualize how long like a half an hour is or like how long things take like you just can't figure out, you know, what that looks like, um, which is definitely something I know that I, str- I, you know, used to struggle a lot with, with freelance work is that I would sit down and be like, oh yeah, like I can, I can write um, because I did it one time because I wrote this, you know, page of web copy in an hour. Now every page of web copy moving forward is going to take an hour when in reality it's like that doesn't account for how much sleep I've had, how much coffee I've had, whether or not I'm interested in the client's work, whether or not uh, I'm warmed up, whether or not, you know, I've, I've actually done any other writing today, you know. So I think that's really interesting around, um, yeah, our sense of time and, um, you know, whether or not we actually take uh, take the time to, um, to think about and factor in, um, yeah, what's going on. That's
0: really funny that you say that. Like uh, one time it took me an hour to write this page of copy and therefore that's how it happens. I think the same thing happens with like driving places. Like there was that one time where there was no traffic and the freeway was clear and it took me 15 minutes and then that gets stuck in there. Like therefore that is now how long it takes every time. (laughs) And it's funny how we Um, set our our bar and our expectations to like the highest, bestest version. Maybe it's something like we want to... We want to believe that that's true of ourselves all the time and what we should really do is set it to the lowest expectation and then exceed our own expectations.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yes and then we'd just be constantly surprised. I'm like oh wow that took no time at all. (laughs) I'm doing great. Wow, I'm so on fire today. Yeah. (laughs) All
0: right, that's what I'm writing that down. Set lower expectations.
1: Lower (laughs) the bar. Put put the bar on the floor. The The key to a happy life. All right, you
0: ready for another fucker? Yeah? Sure. um, Yep, yep. All right. Ooh, okay. Oh, From Dr. Marion Piper. You can say my name. Yay! Here we go. I don't remember what this was. I don't know if you do (laughs) either. Me either. Oh, it's good. I once made a very unfortunate spelling error in a client's newsletter. It was supposed to say our new public policy. Can you guess where this is going? But I missed. What I missed was the L in public, a.k.a pubic our new pubic <laughs> policy it went out to more than five thousand employees marion you poor soul
1: <laughs> dead r.i.p <gasps> r.i.p
0: you would have given so Lucky. many people so much joy that day though do you know how many people that would have been the fucking highlight of their week getting an email <laughs> saying our new pubic policy because the the word pubic is funny anyway, but when it's cu- coupled with a new pubic policy,
1: pubic policy, yeah, the imagination just runs wild. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, yeah, that's actually a really good point. I think at the time, like I, I had that like ah, uh, that internal um, I am going to vomit uh, and explode feeling. Um, that just sat in the back of my throat for the rest of the day because I'm pretty sure the email got sent out at like 9 a.m. And so I just kind of had to like sit there and go, I wonder if anyone will even notice. Also because people don't really read anything anyway. Um, But, oh, no, they noticed. They absolutely noticed. Um, And then to make matters worse, I I think I'm pretty sure they had to then send out a correction email. So it was like... (laughs) In case you didn't know, in case you didn't see it originally, here's what we fucked up. Uh, and it is a public policy, nobody's pubic policy. No.
0: <laughs> so, when did you realize that you'd made the mistake?
1: Um, prob- I, I, I reckon it was probably almost instantly after it got sent. I think it was like, no, I, no, no, come back, come back. No, 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 no. Um, no, because I think, because, um, you know, with these things, because it was a corporate client too. So it had gone, the thing that cracks me up is that it had gone through probably like three or four different stakeholders already and like nobody picked it up. So it wasn't like just me like sitting there being like, boop-a-doop-a-doop-a-doop and then send. but it like actually went through the pipeline, got scheduled and then was sent. So I think it's when it hit my inbox and I read it and I was like, oh, fuck.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> and then what was the... What was the reaction from the client? What was that clean up process like?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it was very because it was like a finance client, so um, like most people were just like, "Oh, that's unfortunate," and then just tried to like sweep it under the rug. Um, But uh, for the probably, I reckon for at least a week afterwards, um, there was it was just like the running gag. So I was it was like, you know, it was embarrassing, but also it became something that was quite fun and uh, like team bonding collective trauma style. Um, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't that bad. but um, needless to say, uh, I now am like a sniper when it comes to proofreading and <laughs> looking for errors. Uh, <laughs> if you're gonna do it, yeah,
0: do it well. It's interesting though, like obviously, yeah. no, no one wants to fuck up and make those sorts of mistakes but it can feel like the world will end if I do something like that but for the most part it won't everyone's human they understand that we're human and I think the biggest tips I've either given or gotten working in hospitality um, have been when something's gone wrong not when things have Mm. gone 100% perfect it's been something's fucked up but you did your best to resolve it and that's, yes. you know, that actually creates something more than if everything had gone 100% fine. Now, I'm not suggesting that we go and fuck things up on purpose so we can get the, the resolution um, happy vibes. But um, yeah, it's an, an interesting thing that often that can end up, the net result is more positive with more, um, what's the word? like more positive feelings towards that person, that situation, than there would have been if nothing went wrong.
1: Oh, totally agree. And you can actually um, you can actually leverage those kinds of fuck-ups, um, you know, and turn them into a bit of a bit, uh, which people love. Like I, I love nothing more when like an email comes through and they, you know, maybe they forgot to include the link or they forgot to attach something, um, particularly if it's on like an email list. And then you know, like ten minutes later, you get another email, and they actually find a way to to relate that fuck up to what they're doing. Um, it makes me respect and like pay more interest to them than I would have if they'd have just been like, "Sorry, here's the link." You know,
0: that's so true. You can be really clever with it, but even if it's mm. even if it's not, you know, clever from a marketing standpoint, mm. we love that. Like, we love seeing humanity from business particularly, it's like, you know what I love more than, I was going to say anything in the world, that might be a bit dramatic, (laughs) but what I fucking love to watch are news bloopers because newsreaders, you know, they have to do the news voice and they're we're not allowed to really see any humanity in them at all. So when newsreaders fuck up, And particularly when they can't stop laughing, I can't (laughs) stop laughing. I love it so much. And it's something about that, like, yes, I knew it. I knew you were a human being.
1: It's so nice to see your smile, you know. Yes, yes. Oh my god, that's so good. Yeah, and I think that's why um like shows like Saturday Night Live have lasted so long. Um, is because those those shows are kind of built on the fuck ups. Because they especially when they bring in um celebrities that uh that aren't used to doing comedy. Um they're just constantly fucking up. And the reason they're funny is because they keep fucking it up. And like it's almost like that's the it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's so interesting. I think you're Absolutely right.
0: I remember reading Tina Fey's book and she quotes um, Lorne Michael saying the show doesn't go on because it's ready. It goes on because it's 11 o'clock. Yes. Because the schedules that they're working to are so fucking crazy to get that show out every single week, managing the guest hosts, writing new jokes. And some of them will be brilliant and some of them will be pieces of shit. It doesn't matter. It just... The show goes on, and I think you're right. I think that's what people find endearing about it mm. is its imperfections.
1: Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I love um, uh, so yeah, some of my absolute favorite um clips from that show, particularly uh, are the ones where one person who doesn't normally break character breaks character. and they are just they can't even talk. They're just bright red. Tears streaming down their face and you see what I love so much about it is that you see the team, everyone around them trying to bring it back and they just can't. And it is like, that is the, for me, that is like the funniest comedy is when you can see people trying to pick up the pieces, but it just go, it just keeps going from bad to worse. Oh, so good. Absolutely, It's just so
0: like delicious and delightful. It's like church giggles, like laughing when you know you're not <laughs> yes. meant to laugh. And it's so hard to recreate as an adult, you know, yeah. those situations without being like horribly, um, what's the word? Oh my God. My brain is like not working today <laughs> at all. I can't even blame wine anymore. Damn um, it. Um, yeah. Anyway, church giggles. Yeah. Finding ones and replicate them, I think would be great. All right. <laughs> Let's uh, let's have another fuck up. Let's do it. I don't know how many are in here, but there's still quite a few left. All right. Oh, this is my one. It oh, just says, "Look at that." I forgot to press record.
1: <laughs> oh, did you forget to press record today? No, that's okay. no,
0: no. We're good today. So this is the one and only time this has happened so far. I'm sure it will probably happen again at some point in my podcasting career. But this was at the Finders Keepers Creative Business Summit. It was our first, I think, interview of the day with um, Matt and Lentil from Grown and Gathered. Um, And it was actually the perfect one for it to fuck up on because they were there with their beautiful little baby and there were just a few things that like we'd... because they were trying to like balance the mic between the two of them and Lentil was trying to manage the baby and... So it was like a little bit of a jerky start anyway. And I think we'd only been, we'd only gone for about 10 minutes because they were, these were short interviews that we were doing. So it actually felt like a little bit of a gift to be able to reset and go again. We didn't have a lot of time pressure either. So it was kind of fine. But, um, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that I'd done it. Interesting. (laughs) Like the most, like the most simple thing, like the one job, Jessamy, the one job, press record. And I didn't do it.
1: Anyway. Oh yeah and I I think that that speaks to what we were saying before about um you know, when you're like either distracted or you're kind of a little bit or, or, or you're on autopilot or it's something that, you know, you've been doing for a little while, often like the basic things are the first things to go when you add in new information or a new or you're in a different environment because you kind of, you don't have your routine and you're like, oh, 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 like what, well, you know, you're kind of scrambling to kind of get other things going. So you forget about the fundamentals.
0: That's so true. Yeah, exactly. We're like making sure that the environment looked nice, the things were set up, all the things were plugged in, and then <laughs> forgot the most foundational element <laughs> of a podcast, which is to, in fact, record it. Right. Press yeah. record. All right, let's move on from that one. We don't need to revisit that trauma. <laughs> okay. All right. I deleted the entire folder folder of photos from the last 10 years of important biz notes, updates, and events. Oopsie. Oh. 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 10 years. Good Lord. Man, that makes me feel, that made my stomach drop. I
1: know. I think both of us just went, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit.
0: Oh, man. I don't know. I, I mean...
1: I have so many, I have so many questions about that. First of all, it's like one, like how, like actually how was it like a misclick? Was it like, were you drunk? Were you, did you have a bad client day and you went in a rage and you were like, fuck it, I'm deleting everything. I'm done. Like, what is the context here? You know? Yeah.
0: It's a, it's really a shame that we can't ask these questions of the person, (laughs) I mean, I feel like it was an accident. That's the vibe I'm getting from how it was written. Mm. But um, you know what's funny? While it makes me feel sick, there's also part of me that's like, that feels kind of liberating in a way.
1: Yes, I'm free.
0: Yeah, because when I think of all of the, like, photos particularly, now that, like, it's not the good old days of you buy a disposable camera and get your roll of film developed at The chemist. (laughs) Oh. Um, which are the only photos that I tend to actually look at are the ones that I've got from like being a teenager that are in photo albums. But I've got all of these photos and videos from the last however many million years that are just like on different phones and different computers, hard drives somewhere maybe. I never look at them. And while I'm like I would feel so sad to know they didn't exist anymore, it's also like but why? I don't look at them. I yeah. wouldn't know. If most of them had been deleted, because it's I'm never looking back at them. I guess there's like mm. some sort of feeling of safety knowing that like your history exists somewhere. Mm. But mm. why? For what purpose? To what end?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's. I think it's. I, I I I would be interested to know what the stats are around, um, like what we digitally keep versus what we physically keep. Like if you were able to look at particularly for businesses, you know, like back in the day, it'd be all in like fi- filing cabinets and folders and it' actually take up space. So I think I feel like people were a little bit more um, uh, discerning about what they would keep and what or what they had to keep versus what they could throw away. Whereas because everything's digitally and we can just add more digital space, like I feel like you know, if I were to go back through my folders or even even back through my emails and just be like, why did I keep this like one remind like email from a client that was just like, can you fix this one word? You know, like why did I why do I feel like I need to keep that when back in the day, that probably would have just been a conversation and it wouldn't have existed, you know?
0: Mm, I'm terrible. with I don't delete anything. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you saw my inbox, if you're someone who likes a clean inbox, my inbox would give you a lot of stress. Oh my
1: god, yeah.
0: Um, to me, it's like the the notification doesn't mean anything anymore. Like it's just
1: you're at that at that level of um of zero of uh, zero of decimal zeros and you
0: know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sort of like it, it is kind of controlled chaos. Like I know what needs to be dealt with and what doesn't, but I I let it get out of hand. <laughs> frequently Um, but yeah I think that's like one of my friends has gotten really Mm. good at like when he's taking photos because you know like okay so my camera roll for example is mainly photos of my dogs in slightly different positions looking beautiful but you'll do the thing you'll take say I don't know five or six photos right of the same thing and me I just leave them there Mm. but he in the moment we'll go and delete or like choose the favorite and delete all the other ones. So he's while he's still holding onto photos in his library, he's editing as he goes. So it doesn't have the mess that I do. There's just like 10,000 of exactly the same photos. And I'm pretty sure that there are apps you can get nowadays that do that cleanup for you. Like we'll identify like almost exactly the same photos and just like pick one and delete the others and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, it is interesting. I always have these like thoughts like one day I'll go back through my stuff and I'll like make a video or get some things printed out and I never do.
1: <laughs> it's we've got we've come too far. We're too far down the rabbit hole. How yeah. can we? The time it would take you to um the time it would take you to go back through everything, um you may as well just delete it. <laughs> yeah. I've got my my
0: old computer, my old like big iMac that I need to do something with, because I don't, it's like, it was really on its last legs. It was almost 10 years old when I replaced it. Um, and I moved everything that I needed to have either onto a hard drive or over onto the new machine. And I was talking to Dan about it the other day. He's like, what are we going to do with your old computer? Cause it's big, right? So I was taking up a lot of real estate in our garage gym at the moment. Um, And I was like, I don't know. Well, what do you think I should do with it? And he's like, just sell it, just like wipe it clean and sell it. And I noticed I had a visceral reaction to that of being like, no, no. Like, what if, like, what do I not know that I'm wiping? But the reality Mm. is, I haven't turned that computer on for two years more. Mm. Anything that's on there, I don't need. (laughs) because <laughs> if i haven't it, missed it in that time i don't need it but there's still a part of me that's like no but what if there's something there that i don't know is there that yeah it's dumb. Yeah. it's not logical but that is my visceral reaction is like of fear that i'm going to be i guess like resetting or like removing a chunk of my life Do you feel mm. like quite attached to <laughs> to technology in a sense because like that's where all my work lives like it's it yeah, in that thing, and then when you stop using it, it, then it just become goes back to being an inanimate object. But you still feel some kind of relationship with it, does that make sense?
1: It makes perfect sense. And um, I think because what it what it kind of taps into is, you know, um it's yes, it's I it's you know I, an actual thing. So it's a tangible thing that is an extension of you, particularly if it's your work because it's something you've given energy to, something you've created. Um, and when we change when we change these things, when we change computers, change phones, um, it's still a change, which is still like a it takes a lot more energy um, with your brain to re- sort of recalibrate to the new device, recalibrate to the new way of doing things, which then creates a loss, you know, and there is grief in in all of this stuff, huge amounts of grief. With letting go of anything, Um, and I think probably now, now more than ever, because we spend so much time online and working digitally, um, and not tangibly, like in you know, in the in in our direct space, um, that relationship is now probably stronger than it is with physical objects. And I notice it myself, like because I just recently got rid of all my stuff um, so I could house sit and digital nomad. Like I had no problem turfing physical items. I was like clothes, books, plates, whatever, like absolutely no attachment. But like all my tech and my phone and my um, like all my writing and everything, I was like nothing is moving, nothing's going. I will carry all of this shit with me as long as I need to, you know. So I think that there's like I feel like we probably need some kind of like digital space cleanse ritual, something Mm. that's like, you know, maybe a little bit um, elevated and and special and private and and slow and you know, kind of intentional um, to at least make that process a little bit more bearable.
0: <laughs> that is such a good idea because it's it's almost like it almost feels slightly embarrassing or something like to feel, to sort of admit that you feel emotionally attached to your (laughs) device. But it's also like, this is your portal to the world. Like, and particularly, you know, through lockdowns and everything like this is literally your social portal, your Mm -hmm. phone, your computer, whatever. And so I think, yeah, like that's a, it's not uncommon to have ceremony around getting rid of physical things, you know, um, Mm people do like ceremonial burnings of old Diaries or you know when you're um cleaning out your clothes or something maybe you have friends over and do a clothes swap or I don't know like that feels like like that's a cool safe like non-embarrassing thing to do but to like transpose that sense of ritual to a digital world feels kind of... N- NAF or like <laughs> e- extra or something. But I but this is like we just haven't updated our internal systems yet to understand that this is the world that we are in. And even though it feels kind of dumb, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think i the right word for it. That's kind of it. Like it just feels yeah. kind of kind of dorky to like have an emotional ritual farewell to your fucking old computer or you phone i think that that maybe is the way that things will go because these are
1: things that that we are attached to i spend i spend significantly more time with my phone and computer than i do with anybody else other than myself so and it's real like this, this is real life this is not some vr fucking you know alternate reality our computers are just as real as our childhood teddy bears. And if you think about it, like we have, you know, you had your computer for 10 years, you probably only had that, you probably only used that teddy bear for three. So I'm like, you know, I'm starting to think about this a bit deeply and go, hang on a minute, like, of course, of course we feel this way about this stuff because it has been such a huge part of who we are and our day-to-day life and our, and our you know, routine. Um, that it makes sense that we're attached. Um, and I think you're right. I think we haven't upgraded that that thinking to kind of give that part of our life the same reverence that we do to, um, you know, other things that have come before it. Mm, mm. Um, <clears throat> I still have my childhood teddy bear, but
0: Dan literally <laughs> had to say to me, you have to like not have that teddy bear <laughs> in bed. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. <laughs> He's in my cupboard but- now. Uh, And Alice and I only just found out like a matter of months ago, we both had beloved childhood teddy bears that we hung on to for way too long and both of them were called Best Bear.
1: No. Isn't that wild? Oh,
0: Best Bear. Best bear, because we're very Aww. creative like that. Like he's our best bear. You will be called best bear.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I that lost so my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: meant, right. to, meant to
1: be. meant to be. I
0: know, I know. All right, we've probably got time for one, maybe two more. Let's see how we go. Yeah. All right. Oh, okay. This is a full page. <clears throat> I'm a graphic designer and I had a client hire me and he was an old man so insisted on doing everything in person instead of online I did it because I like to be flexible and make people feel comfortable but in result uh but in sorry I'm tr- struggling a little bit with the handwriting but in <laughs> result had oh, oh, in yeah, reality yeah, those words. But, but in result, had no digital record of approvals and comments. I did $3,000 of work and didn't get paid a cent. I learned pretty quick to get a deposit, not hand over final files until payment was received and to get email confirmation. You poor thing. That is a shit lesson to learn.
1: Yep, yep. And I feel like we've all been in, we've definitely all been there in some shape or form.
0: Yeah. One hundred percent, and it's it is hard as well, particularly when you're you're a sole trader and you're starting out. Those things like contract—I mean, it doesn't even have to be a contract just to have it in writing. You know, oftentimes is enough, but it feels it feels a bit extra because you're like, but I'm not a proper business; I'm just little old me drawing some pictures. Um, and also, <laughs> I think you know, for me at least, at the very start. Um, I was just so fucking grateful to have the work, you know, and I I was scared all the time that if I said the wrong thing or wasn't like 100% flexible to what people wanted, that it would go away.
1: Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah, I I remember those feelings. I um, was lucky and not lucky, I think, to sort of start my business just before the lockdowns. So... Like my first, my first year was like very, well, first year and a half was very much, um, I kind of like, I was very grateful to be online because it meant that like everything was already in like immediately documented. So I could kind mm. of go back to things and see, um, but I do remember like, <laughs> so funny. I remember not having a contract and then having this contract that was like 25 pages long. Cause I thought that like, Oh, that's what you had to do. Um, just to, you know, cover, cover my bases. But, um, even then I found people would still like fuck it up. And that's the other thing that I think we haven't spoken about is like, what are like, the times that you're on the opposite end of someone else's fuck up? You know? Cause I don't think, I don't think, you know, none of us are innocent here. Right. Like, and I like, and that guy, that that client, like, sounds like he fucked something up in there too, you know. So yeah. I'd be curious. Yeah. I'd be curious to know what the what the chain of fuck ups <laughs> looks like. <laughs>
0: yeah, are they, con-
1: are they contagious? Is you know, like one fuck up breeds five fuck ups? Like how? Yeah. Do they, you know, what's the? Well, certainly,
0: I think when things are messy. Which you couldn't mm. describe messiness as maybe a series of small fuck ups. Mm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: That just that just makes everything harder. That just gives all the more space. So maybe in a way they kind of are contagious because once one <laughs> one peg is pulled, you know, um, that can have a flow on
1: fuck uppery
0: effect. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the the like a like the but yeah the butterfly effect the fuck up fuck up effect <laughs> that's hard to say yeah <laughs> how do you think
0: you go at dealing with um, other people's fuck ups?
1: Mm, I guess it depends on our, on how big the fuck up is. Um, I feel like I've got I've definitely got a threshold. So when they when they get to a certain size, or maybe maybe the more personal they are, mm. I think um, the the more like dramatic and tantrumy <laughs> I would <laughs> probably get. Um, but uh, little little ones, I, I remember you know, year, like you know, over the last sort of like five to ten years, I've definitely noticed my reaction to fuck ups getting small. And smaller and smaller as I get older. And I reckon that's just probably because of being exposed to so many things fucking up, um, you know, and not and not things not going the way that you want. So you kind of just learn through experience that, you know, you're gonna be okay and you'll figure it out and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I do remember like uh probably like 2019, um, I was on a I was go, going with my partner at the time on a flight to the US and Uh, Our flight was delayed and then they had to change planes and then that meant that we lost our seats, our original seats, and it was like, you know, that's like a, what, a 14, 15-hour flight. And so we ended up getting and we had to re-queue up to get new seats. And so we ended up getting put in the middle aisle in the middle of all the seats. No. I absolutely, I actually, where I don't cope, is when I've been prepared, I've been organized, I've done my due diligence, and then somebody else fucks it up so royally that all, it undoes all of my effort. And I think that's where I take it. Um, that's where I definitely uh, take it personally and don't don't cope. I just go full melt, meltdown mode. Um, I'm not proud of it, but <laughs> that's what happens.
0: Yeah, I think I think I'm quite similar. Um, I mean, for the for the most part, I would say. Um, I always give people the benefit of the doubt, right? That and yes. Like, I fuck yes. up constantly. So it's like my my go-to is always like compassion and um yeah, and, and benefit of the doubt. Where I get frustrated if, is if it's repeat, like the same fuck up on repeat is very annoying. Yes. Or, like when you put a lot of work into something on your side, like people and then, you know, say you've written like a really specific briefing document or something and then that is not read and that's where the fuck-ups happen, I get quite irritated by that too, mainly internally, and I don't know if that's good or bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just going to say, like, people probably wouldn't know that I'm having a full-blown meltdown. Yeah. Unless they were to get really close to my face and look at my right eye, which would probably be twitching. <laughs> This is an interesting point though, right? Because it's like,
0: for the most part, everyone's trying their best, right? So it's like, if you're the person who's fucked up, you're already feeling bad. I never want someone to feel worse, worse right? yeah. Be- because of making a, a mistake. We all make mistakes constantly, which is fine. It's how we learn. But mm. then if you're the, the fuck up recipient, <laughs> <laughs> what is what is your responsibility in terms of how you communicate how the effect that it's had on you and i'm not i'm never talking about being aggressive or rude or mean but i think i certainly have a tendency to gloss over things because i want everyone to be okay And because, I mean, we draw pictures, right? Like no one's going to fucking lose their life if like a picture gets drawn wrong or is a little bit late. Like it's really, it's not high stakes shit we're doing here. As much as I always want to do the absolute best that I can for my clients, it's not, lives are not being lost. No, 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 yeah. (laughs) But then I think, you know, that, that potentially takes away some learning somewhere along the way and I think it's not necessarily healthy for me either to not properly communicate the effect that something has like the flow on effects because doing like there was a mistake there I get that that's no worries but then the bit that you miss is like the cleanup that happens after that Mm. and I've never been quite sure like where like how much point is or isn't there in doing that? Because that can just come across like you having a whinge or like, or kicking someone while they're down. And that's never something yeah. that I'd want to do. But then I also think from a learning perspective, it's useful for people to know, hey, it's not just like this thing. It also has this flow on effect. And that's why it's really important to get this right. But then I don't want to sound like a bitch, you know? Like-
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a fine line then. And also too, you don't want to be like, you don't want to fix it for someone to your point of, you know, robbing them of that lesson, um, and you don't want to be a nitpicker constantly. You know, being the, the person who's needling some, someone, someone for a behavior that they just haven't. Um, they do, maybe they they don't know that they're doing, or that they you know just can't be bothered or don't want to change. Right, and so I feel like there's. I feel like there's a fuck up grace period um, you know, just after something happens, which is a window for the recovery. Right. And this is what I always like to see. And, and this is why I, um, I think the email fuck ups are a really good example to see how long it takes people to catch it. Especially if like, if I see it first, I'm like, oh, they didn't attach it. I will stop and I'll be like, okay, let's see, let's see how they recover from this. How are they going to recoup? And if nothing happens, then I'm like, okay, so they either haven't seen it or they just can't be bothered cleaning it up, and that's probably if in the latter case, um, that's probably not something I would want to spend a lot of time worrying about. Because if you're not worried about what you're doing, um, I certainly shouldn't be. Um, but if it's mm. someone who's genuinely like, um, and you know, my kind of go-to line when I when I stuff something up is it's either like, well, I fucked that one up, didn't I?" <laughs> like, like I'll just be like, I'll try and cut the cut the air, you know. Break the ice a little bit and go. Well, okay, now we're we're gonna just uh, take a few minutes. Um, and we're gonna go, you know, fix this one up. Um, and I think I think that I think that's the people you know the people that I respect the most are the ones that they acknowledge it not in a um a self deprecating or a um. self-destructive way or even like making too light of it but they're the ones that sort of uh, like a little bit more they show a bit more humility um and go well oh well that happened you know and they don't they don't make it positive or negative they just like this thing happened and now we've got to deal with it um for me that kind of feels at least the most authentic way to kind of um you know and, and then if you flip that um you know you can flip it the other way around and go Oh yeah, like they they fucked it up. Like oh, oh well, like that happened. Um, you know, let's just see what let's just see how they recover, you know?
0: Mm, mm. Yeah, I think that that authenticity piece and it's I always feel like a dick saying it because it's such a like corporate buzzword at the moment, but it's there's no better word for it. Like when you are authentically being yourself. And this is something that was like a big journey for me coming as like an art kid into a corporate setting, which is where I play most of the time now, obviously massive um, imposter syndrome there, but also like kind of misunderstanding and thinking like, I got a big corporate Jessamine now, like they're not employing me to be that, they're employing me as an artist. So it's okay to... Bring your artist personality into stuff. And in fact, people like it. Um, but sort of going on that journey has also like opened up more doors and just being just being honest about the little things, I think, is really nice. And it gives everyone the chance to sort of exhale and be like, oh, okay, we're buddies. Like I remember mm. a, a gorgeous client who I ended up doing lots and lots of work with over years, and this is a tiny exact like this is not a, a big deal. I, but I missed a meeting, and there was no good reason for it. I literally just forgot, and at the time the meeting was on, I was walking my dog, and I got the notification. I was like, "Oh fuck!" So it was fine. I just sent them a message. I'll, be like, I'll can we just push it back ten minutes? But instead of being like, "Oh, I'm so sorry," like my other meeting ran late, I was like, "I'm so sorry." I just totally blanked and I took my dog for a walk and those sort of like little opportunities for like ownership authenticity transparency with the people that you're working with I think they they build a lot of trust and mm. and it's not and it's no big deal right it's not a it's not a big deal but it, it makes I don't know, it makes you feel good and it makes other people feel good to know like, oh, cool. Like we're just talking human to human now. And those relationships mm. end up being the most fun, um, the most, that like, have the most longevity. Yeah. Anyway.
1: And, on, no, on and fuck ups. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think Um, I think what you hit on here is like really, 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 really important, especially nowadays, because if we look at the online world, you know, people are really savvy. They can see through the facade, the bullshit, like we're all kind of fatigued and sick of the, you know, the personas that are out there. And so the people that are actually getting cut through right now are the ones that are showing the whole range of the human emotion. It's not just that polished Instagram, whatever I'm not saying that you have to be a slob. Like it's not about like, you know, showing up with no makeup and, you know, whatever. Um, But I wonder what kind of world we would live in if we not only owned up to our fuck-ups but we actually asked for what we needed because I feel like sometimes things fuck up when we don't, when we don't prioritise what we need and we try to fulfil the needs of other people. And so I think think that there's a good lesson. I think the fuck-ups are the gateway to that. You know, they're not, they're not something that's going to stop you from doing that, but they can actually pave the way for you to have those more difficult conversations around actually, you know, I would love to take that client project on right now, but I'm really burnt out, you know, rather than taking it on and fucking it up, you know, so we can mm-hmm. sort of see how we can start to, you know, to reduce the severity of the fuck up. Um, when we start to think a little bit more around, like okay, well, what do I need versus what uh, what does everybody else need? That is
0: such an excellent point. I was going to pull another fuck up out of the box, but I actually think that might be like a perfect, beautiful note to end it on. But there are there is still um, quite a few left in there, so maybe we'll do a little box of fuck ups number two at some point, maybe in another six months time. <laughs>
1: I'll buy, I'll buy annual fuck up um, draw. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if any of them will like lose relevance. Like one will be talking about Twitter or something. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The right things are going. Seriously.
0: Yeah. Well, Dr. Marion Piper, thank you so much for being an incredible imposter Alice today. Um, have a wonderful time in Bali being the kick-ass digital nomad lady that you are.
1: Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. This is a good one. And it's definitely got definitely got my brain turning around um, you know, what the value of a fuck up is. Is something else I'm gonna be thinking about.
0: Yeah, I think that same. And it's a really interesting thing because I think there is a lot of talk at the moment which is really great around being safe to fail okay to fail all of this sort of stuff which is awesome but then it's like okay and then and then what because that is a really important thing when it comes to growth innovation all of this sort of stuff but you can't just fuck up what what are the things around that that make it valuable and you know that make it safe to continue doing it that way. Yeah, I'm going to be thinking on that too. Yeah, good one, good one. Awesome. (laughs) All right, well, thank you, Dr. Maz. Love you big time and we'll see you
1: soon. Bye. Bye thank you for listening to the Imposter Syndrome Club. Please follow us wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're feeling extra kind, rate and review, or if you got any insights or value from this, share with a friend.
0: You can also find us on Instagram at imposterpod or online at impostersyndromeclub.com.